Welcome to the Pack MTG Cast. I'm your host, Mason Grody. We got Brian Cole per huge. We are missing Brinson today, but we did up the ante. We have Brad to replace him for now. So, uh, <laughs> are you smashing Brin- Brinson now? It's easy when he's not here. Yeah. That's some big shoes to fill, but uh, I'm here. I'm ready. I'm excited. I haven't talked to you guys in a while. It's been a few months since my last episode, so I'm definitely super excited. You're you're also, and I know you're aware of this because I I made it a point to bring it up to you that you're the most popular of all the episodes. So we're just we're kind of just using you for ratings at this point. Yeah, I, I will gladly take it. I didn't realize that people liked to listen to that episode first. Maybe it's because we talked about like Death Shadow or Modern or something like that. I have a hard time believing it was just because of me. Like, unless you know, people are hyping me up and no one's telling me that. But maybe it was just like the the origin of the episode. But I'm ready for another one. I'm excited. Let's talk about some magic. I mean, it's also possible because that's the only episode I wasn't in. <laughs> yeah, people either love you or or hate Brian. It's one of the two. Oh God! <laughs> I could just be a little bit of both. Yeah, I could just be a little bit of both. <laughs> I believe it. So I guess per request to from Brad, and I actually I'm glad that you did because it it pushed me out of. I don't know, kind of the magic, I wouldn't say rut, but just like to mix it up a little bit for myself because I've been just like not too into modern. I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't yeah, know to, yeah, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I was really struggling with magic, like playing magic online, and and struggling to like really get a get a gris a grasp on like what why am I playing magic right now? There's no paper tournaments, which is where I used to always use. I'm not one who can just sit down and play magic online or arena for hours and hours and hours. I, I always used those as a way to test for my paper tournament I was going to. Otherwise, I barely mm-hmm. ever played them. And so recently I was I wasn't really playing I wasn't really playing and then I had a really good friend of mine from back home who uh, started to play arena and he was messing around a little bit with standard and we talked about I, I watched him play some standard and I played with him and I realized he was really kind of struggling with just the fundamentals of the game like combat how to navigate combat how to manage your resources when to use your spells and like what what creatures you actually want to kill and I told him maybe we should try some limited and he's like oh well what's limited and I was like well Limit is this really cool format where you open packs and you play with what you open. There's two different kinds. I kind of gave him the full spiel on it, but it really got me started in in draft because and this draft format is incredible. Wow, it's, it's really cool. It's 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 diverse. It's it, it's like interactive. It's fun. Like all the colors feel pretty well balanced. I like it a lot. Yeah, I I think um, actually just in the past few years. As bad as balance has been for like standard and constructed in general from the new sets, they've been really awesome for limited. Like the design team has been knocking out of the park for that. I don't think there's been an unfun limited set in the past few years. Like since like at least since like Dominaria forward. Yeah, Dominaria was great, and I don't really remember playing too much after that. I know I have to think about what what sets were actually coming after that, but I know I did do like a GP for the like um, the Guilds of Ravnica stuff, which was really cool, um, really fun that way. Throne of I didn't do much Throne of Eldraine and Thoros Beyond Death uh, drafting. I did do War of the Spark, oh, which was awesome too. 
I think I think that was one of my favorites. Okay. I really enjoyed Throne. I don't know if I did any. Actually, maybe I did play Throne. Yeah. I did not do Theros, but maybe I did do. I, I at least pre-released Throne because I remember actually pre-releasing in Madison um, at one of the shops there, and I remember seeing. I, I forget what his name is. He's a big Magic player in this area that was playing at one of the shops, which I thought was cool. But yeah, draft is really fun. I think it's really important to play limited to learn the fundamentals of the game. Like na- navigating combat is really important. Um, managing your resources is really important and limited teaches you all of those things to a very like intricate level because ultimately in the grand scheme of things the cards you're playing with are like pretty bad on power level just because they're commons and uncommons but they're really good in the context of what you're using them for and they they help you kind of like think about the game in that regard so you can translate that throughout multiple formats so yeah um I, I think part of why I'm kind of like a well-rounded player is that I played more limited than any other format, I think, mm-hmm. because there was like a five-year period that that's literally all I did. I played zero constructed, but I'd still do all the pre-releases and stuff like that. And cube is like my favorite format. <laughs> and it's not a competitive format, but I think it's like... A fantastic training uh, for deck building and just like the fundamentals of magic and learning the archetypes. Because unlike normal draft formats, every archetype is viable in cube. Right. And if you if you're cubing properly, you have to be willing to play any of them. So it's kind of a good way to to learn how to play the different archetypes and things like that. Yeah, I completely agree. Mason, are you a big limited guy? Because I know that people have talked about, you know, Brian or yeah, Brian and Jeremy kind of being like the big limited guys in the pack. Do you play much limited? Honestly, I was just telling this to Brian right before we started. I honestly, whenever I do draft specifically, I I enjoy it almost more than anything else. Mm-hmm. But in all honesty, I am definitely not. I would say. I don't do it as much as I should, and I wish I could do it more. Um, and that's that's as that's as much as I can say about about that. Um, this this set in particular, I've only started since you mentioned you wanted to do this. So in the past seven days, I've done four drafts. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, though. In seven days, like that's pretty good. Couldn't even pull off a draft today, Mason. No. See, he's saying, "Oh, that's pretty good." Praising you, I'm saying that's fucking bullshit. <laughs> we still have to do Fanny Fight Night, so that's yeah. you know that's two two days right there. Yeah. So that's almost. No, I'm just kidding. It's more than I did in the past seven days, to be honest. But I drafted the shit out of this set when it first comes. Like, I'm always excited when new sets come out. Hmm. Uh, I love drafting before people have it figured out partially because I just crush it because I have like the fundamentals of drafting down and like before people have figured out like the best archetypes and things like that before there's like drafting guides that people can follow. I think my experience really gives me an edge. Later on in the draft formats, my win rate certainly goes down. Sure. Yeah. We, we have enough of a skill to like, 
pick out what cards like because we've seen similar cards in the past where it's like oh this card is going to be good because it reminds me of this card which was good previously and then you Mm -hmm. pick those cards and you kind of stumble into good decks and stuff like that too which is which is good i actually didn't draft much at the beginning of this set i like i said started drafting maybe a month and a half ago roughly maybe a little bit less than that um mm-hmm. because of my friend that wanted to learn and we, we did some drafts together and then i took some time to kind of dive into the card pool and look at what was going on um i watched a youtube video or two of numat the nummy just to kind of get an idea of like what he was playing and um some of the stuff he played i, I already kind of had an idea was an archetype but there was definitely some cards that that he picked early on that i ended up not picking when i was going through the draft certain cards that i was like this card seems like it's fine but maybe not that good and then it ended up being very good for him and so i've drafted probably i want to say 35 to 40 times in the past month month and a half um yeah i've done a lot of drafts i had i had a really nice so like i told you at the beginning of this of this podcast i go through spurts with with magic online specifically with arena the last time i was playing arena was for that uh for that standard mcq that dan box shop put on here in madison where you guys came you and brian and nate came to it and i played blue red uh flash or blue red whatever um yeah I played a ton of Magic uh, Arena before that event, and then I didn't play basically until a month and a half ago. And when I opened it back up, I had all these gems and coins on there from playing all these hours of online testing for that standard event that I actually got to draft a bunch without having to really worry about putting any money on the account initially, which was a good way for me to learn what was good and what wasn't good. Yeah, I've I've been... I did like the $5, like when you first sign up for Arena... And then I think there was like one time that there was like a sale and I went ahead and I bought some gems otherwise. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I've just been going infinite drafting on arena. I, yeah. It's pretty nice to be, you only need what, like four or five wins and you got it. Yeah. But I, I do, I tried to, um, this past weekend when they had the like $2,000 thing, I did two of those. And now I'm like pretty low on gems. So <laughs> I need to make sure I don't lose in my next few drafts. <laughs> so well, you guys, sorry, you guys yeah. do the, the best of one or traditional on there? Because I'm super brand new to Arena, yeah. and I did a couple different things. I did the best of one at first, and then I went to traditional. So the if you're trying to go infinite, the easiest way to do it is the – who are they called? Like, Premier, which it's premier, which is best of one. Yep. Um, but honestly, and that that's also the only way to do ranked. It really pisses me off that I can't climb the ladder doing best of three for limited. It seems backwards. Yeah. I don't know. It's not like magic that I know without sideboards. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. And I think it, it takes a lot out of drafting as well when there's no chance of sideboarding. Yeah. Uh, right. I, I think that's one of the things that people don't do enough of, I think for limited is sideboarding. Like we all know how important it is in constructed, but so many people just almost never sideboard for limited and that's wrong. There's, yeah. I, it changes what you pick too, right? Like there's there's yeah. certain cards that you pass that you would normally like maybe pick because they're like a good card against a specific archetype. Like I haven't really gotten the feel enough of like 
which archetypes are good against which archetypes outside of the fact of like certain cards don't match up well against other you know one of the popular cards in this set is into the royal which is one in a blue uh return an online permanent to its owner's hand and then you can kick it for an additional one in a blue to draw a card when you do it mm-hmm. that card's obviously not going to be very good against a deck with a bunch of low-costed cards um because it's they're just going to be able to replay it and it's going to be at a mana deficit for you and but so outside of that interaction which i've just been playing with for years and years and understanding tempo exchanges and mana exchanges i haven't really gotten that down yet but if you were drafting with sideboards you might you might have a bit more of a sense of that and like you might have to learn how to do that because there's going to be some matchups that like maybe blue red wizard struggles to beat this deck and then you have these sideboard cards that you can pick up for blue red wizards that helps you against that deck kind of thing you know yeah yeah, there. <clears throat> sorry, there, there's a lot of cards that, um, that you know are, are particularly good in certain matchups and just pure garbage in others. Like, there's always like a mind rot mm-hmm. in like pretty much every limited set, and that's not something I'm trying to main deck in the majority of formats. But when you go against like a control deck or even like a ramp deck, I really like a mind rot. Yeah. It's like a ramp deck, they're going to play like a bunch of ramp spells in the early, kind of empty their hand for the most part, and then they'll just have like their two cards left that are their fucking payoffs. Mm-hmm. And you just like mind rot. Right. And you're forced yeah. to main you're forced yeah. to main deck it, right? Like in best of one, you're forced to main deck it. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think you should ever do that. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, I mean, there there are formats where like I'll play mind rot, like slower, grindier formats. Um with big payoff cards, I'll play some mind rots, but right. the majority of the time you don't, or like even like defensive creatures in general, I don't recommend main decking, but if you go up against someone that's being like super aggressive, you might want to play some like one or two mana, like O threes and O fours and shit. Right. Just to make sure that you, you don't get run over immediately. Right. Um, cards like duress, Think a really good example. My limited experience from this set is uh, like disenchant abilities. Your right. disenchant cards, like this, seems really bad to play in your main deck, but seems crucial to sideboard into for right. some of these decks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like when there's like a devastating artifact or enchantment in the format. Yeah. But it's not like an artifact set. Like in Kaladesh, like you're going to main deck some artifact hate. Right. And even Theros. Theros. Yeah. Or in like Theros, you, you can main deck some enjambment hate, but uh, other formats you don't want to. And then it feels really bad when they play like Spear of Heliod or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's the big, that's I don't the know big why that was a per- <laughs> or, you know, like some like awesome equipment, uh, like awesome equipments and limited can be freaking backbreaking. Cause now they get to like trade up with every creature um and it, it can be it can be brutal but you don't want to like main deck artifact hate yeah um or well, i think i think a big example of that was the mason brought up disenchant but the other alternative for not not in white it's in green is broken wings in this set and i'm almost always okay to play with one copy of broken wings and best of one because of it it's more versatile it says destroy target artifact destroy target enchantment or destroy target creature with flying and it's yeah. three three mana instead of two, and I almost always have some target for that in limited when you play uh, a green deck. You almost always have, at the minimum, you kill a creature with flying, but you can pick off those problematic artifacts and enchantments. But it's a lot, 
<clears throat> that card gets a lot more legs in in best of one in the main deck than disenchant where like a white deck in a best of three is going to want at least two disenchants in their sideboard just to have access to like the, the potential like oh you're playing two mythic artifacts or one mythic artifact and something else i'm gonna i'm gonna bring these in and, and hit them but in best of one sometimes you just get run over if you don't have a way to answer an artifact or enchantment right that's yeah, yeah. I, I i just i just don't like it i just don't like the idea of best of one yeah i i hate best of one um well, I was going to say one thing that I do actually like about Best of One and one of the reasons why I think it goes in with the whole kind of theme of Arena and why Arena is a lot more enjoyable to some degree than something like MTGO is because the the volume of games you can get is so much higher. Um, in Best of One, like, yeah, you, you end up losing some gems if you don't at least win a few games, but... If you if you are going four three and you're just trying to learn the format like I was doing at the beginning where I was going I was getting four or five wins three losses learning what was good learning what was bad getting a feel for the archetypes and stuff like that I got a high volume of game it's pretty it's pretty easy to get you know three two three even four drafts in a single day done because of how quick the games can go and how quick the 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 drafting process goes but if those are best of threes you may need to take breaks in between because it's a little more exhaustive when you're talking about potentially playing three games a match and um you know there's other components of best of one that isn't so bad but i agree with you in the whole that i wish there was a ranked option for um, for best of three, because I think it's a, I think it's a more useful skill to know how to play best of three limited than it is to play best of one limited. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, maybe it'll just increase my advantage if I ever get to day two of limited GPs again. Exactly. If you ever come back. Right. Everyone's used to best of one and you just go Sideboard. They all have this mixed sideboard stuff of like all these chaff cards that I just picked up. Like, oh, there's nothing here I'm going to play, so I'll just take this random red card even though I'm blue-white. And then they pass disenchants and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But Yeah. <clears throat> well, should we should we dive into some of the some of the cards, some of the archetypes, what we like playing, what we found good, or how do you want to do it? Sure. I mean, if you guys could enlighten me, because I have a very uh, no pun intended limited experience, but uh, <laughs> I, I have some opinions, but I think they're they're under seasoned and sure. Um, well, I was going to start off with talking about the 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 colors and their popularity, and also like in my opinion, how good they are. Um, I don't know. Have you drafted much recently, Brian? No, not really. Okay, so um, when you when you first started playing, what was the what was the color that seemed to be the most popular? Or colors? <laughs> uh, honestly, I. I it felt different every time to me. Um, like I draft, I can tell, well, probably everything, but black and red. Cause I ended up, I ended up going black, red more than any other color combination because it kept being crazy open to me, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, from my experience, it seemed like most archetypes were pretty good except for the party archetype. If you didn't get like, a great rare payoff right away. I don't think it was, it's worth it. But if you get like, I don't know, one of the, 
one of the big payoffs immediately, and then you draft around it, it can be quite good. Like any color combination, honestly, any two color combination of party can work, but you need a reason to do it. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. Like the common and uncommon payoffs for party are not good enough. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. But I think really good. I think that was like the first one that people started latching onto was rogues. Yeah, Who rogues is definitely like a fun archetype. It's the same thing as it is in standard. A lot of the cards that are legal in the standard rogues deck come from this set. Um, but I was gonna say, it seems like now the most popularly drafted color and also the deepest color is blue. Um, A lot of the good playable cards in blue are at common, most notably cards like Into the Royal, um, which we talked about earlier, Bubble Snare, which is a one blue enchantment um, that prevents a creature from untapping. Um, But if you pay two and a blue as a kicker cost, it taps the creature first. I think Um, that is that is the best of that that type of card we've ever had. I agree with that 100 yeah. percent. Being able to play it for one man is a big deal. Um, also, cards like Tazim Royal Mage and Cunning Geyser Mage are both really, really, really good home run cards from a design mechanic. Starting with Tazim Royal Mage, it's just one in a blue for a two-one wizard that has a kicker cost of four generic mana. When it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. So it's a two mana card, can be played early as a creature if you need to play it as a creature. Um, can, if it dies, you can bring it back with various, um, uh, I don't know what do, gravedigger effects, I guess. Or you can save it for six mana and pick back up a removal spell that you used early on. Um, and then Cunning Geyser Mage is essentially the same thing. It's two and a B. Uh, or uh, sorry, two blue, so two and a blue. Sorry, for a three-two wizard, um, and then for two and a blue kicker, you can bounce a creature to its owner's hand. Um, so yeah. good cards that are can be played early on two and three mana, but also have a, a late game effect and go into basically every blue deck. And that's part of the reason why, like you said, the party deck is kind of unplayable without the payoffs. But blue kind of goes in everything because these cards, mm-hmm. yes, they they have the kicker sub theme, but they don't need to have being a kicker deck to be good. Yeah, it turns out Kicker's just a good mechanic, right. um, especially for limited. Right. Um, um, it, it's kind of like training wheels for making sure you have a good curve, in my opinion. That's 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 fair. I I think I can get. I think I can agree with that. I think it's nice. I just think having this set did a lot of things from a design standpoint that really made me happy with like. Um, it's most notably kicker cards. Um, also these equipments that can, if you're going to play equipments, oftentimes you can run into a bit of a, like issue with resources. If you're playing these equipments and you, they just kill all your creatures that you can equip to, but having the, having the equipment equip when they enter, and then you don't have to like take that tempo disadvantage. And then on average, they have a higher equip cost. So you have something to do with your mana later on. Um, and then also, uh, these, do a double faced cards. They made the limited experience so much better because now you you don't have to worry as much about like oh I kept a hand with only two lands I I might not draw a land. Well you might draw a spell that can be played as a land and then these they have these other cards that give you longevity. Uh, there's three of them that I can think of specifically. I just don't know if there's more than that. There's a three mana white creature, a five mana red creature, and a six mana green creature that all lets you that all let you return one or more lands from play to your hand so you can play these double-faced cards as lands early and then pick them back up later in the game and cast them as their spells which is a really nice 
like consistency mechanic that they implemented in this set where you don't have to worry as much about mana screw when you've got these cards. Yeah, um, that is really strong. So how um, do you typically play them as spells in your deck for deck construction? So do you play like 17-ish actual lands plus those? Or at what point do you start removing lands from your deck? How many of those do you do you need? Um, I've been go. I don't know the math behind it. That might be a question for for Matt. But um, mm-hmm. I usually look at it from a standpoint of I, I I usually think 19 is my number. That's in that's basic lands plus spells that can be played as lands. The double faced cards, 19 to 20. Okay. Um, if I don't have any double faced cards, then I'm obviously just going to play my 17 lands. But um, if I end up getting mm-hmm two, three, four, or even five of those double-faced cards, then I might start cutting lands, Depending on, also depending on what my curve looks like. If I've got a bunch of six drops and seven drops, or if I'm playing the, if I'm playing a ramp kicker deck, I'm probably still going to play 16 or 17 lands. But um, I've dropped to as low as 14 lands before with six kicker spells. Or with six, sorry, six double-faced cards. Um, my curve curved out at five, and I just had several um, double-faced cards, and I just went down on lands because I liked the rest of my deck. So... I don't know. Have you had any experience with that? Yeah. Uh, you know, honestly, I've pretty much been doing it the same way as you. Okay. Um, if I just get one or two of them, then I just play them as spells. Mm-hmm. Um, but because, like, I think at first I tried it once where I just counted them as lands. And I just played 17 total. And then it was just like, well, now I have all these, like, tap lands in my deck, basically. Right. And it didn't feel like it was really doing anything for me whereas when you when you go up to like 19 or 20 ish between basic lands and those then it it makes the deck feel crazy consistent like you almost never have to mulligan right uh, yeah I, I i think that's kind of the sweet spot that that's like exactly the number that i came to was 19, 19 yeah have you had any experience playing with these cards yet mason yeah, and I've, I've just made a – there's no real math behind it. Yeah, I, I, was, I didn't really crunch any numbers either. It was um, just... But I've, I've actually, for the most part, I've counted them as half a land at, okay. at, at just face value. It, I think it also depends on, like, how powerful that spell really is. Right. If the spell is actually quite good, I'll count it more towards a spell than a land. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Well, yeah. There's there's some of them that are pretty bad. I'll I'll count that. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's been some. Uh, there's been some exceptions to that for me as well. Like where I was like, I really want. This, like I got the the red mythic a couple of times. I was just like, I think in limited, I want to be casting this as a spell. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if I play this as a land, I'm gonna feel awful. <laughs> right. A bolt land that comes in as a mountain. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> uh, I, yeah. Compared to I a, a guaranteed two for one, like yeah. if you're casting it as a spell. Right. Um, on average, though, these, these spells can feel a little bit underwhelming sometimes. Like, for example, um, there's the there's the red on common spike field hazard. It's one red that deals one damage to any target, um, and it can be played That's as one a one of my favorite land. ones. It's one of mine too, but when I first looked at it, I was like, "This card seems like it's only mm-hmm. mediocre." But it's actually quite good. Um, yeah. Another another example is the one green instant that puts a plus one plus one counter on a creature that can be put as land. That one can be kind of underwhelming too. It's just like a combat trick, but 
in a deck that cares about plus one plus one counters like the green black deck you might get a lot of leverage out of this card but if you're playing like a red green landfall deck or something like that you're not really going to want this card you might you might still play it but you're not really going to like look for it necessarily um yeah like the the one damage one it's like it's not unheard of to play x1s in limited but there's going to be some decks where it's just going to feel totally dead so i really love that it it's tacked onto a land right because um, sometimes like it's just as good as any other removal spell in your deck right and other times it's it's a land right <laughs> a lot a lot of t- a lot of times these spells are like over costed uh, these double face cards, the spell is overcosted for what the original spell is. A big example of this is like Juari Disruption. So Juari Disruption is one in a blue counter target spell unless its controller pays one. This is Force Spike. Force Spike used to exist as one yeah. blue mana, but because this can be played as a land, making the two mana spell offsets that a little bit, which is kind of nice. You can this might counter a spell early, but it you know in it can be played as a land later on if you don't get to to take that tempo advantage because after about turn three or four your opponent's not likely to tap out depending on obviously what their deck is but most of the time they're not all most opponents aren't always going to go two drop three drop four drop five drop they might go like two drop two drop three drop like especially if they know you're playing this card they might play around Mm -hmm. it right yeah the fact that it can be played as a land that's one of the things i love about it actually you play it as a land on like turn one and then they're going to be thinking about that card the whole game (laughs) like if you can get some advantage off of it just right away like i think especially in constructed actually like i've been that's one that people are playing a bit in standard Mm -hmm. um and i i think you can get into people's heads and like get some advantage because it's like even if you never counter anything with that spell if they're thinking about it and they're playing around it you got value it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember playing against Sensor standard and that one. Yeah. Knowing as hell. Sensor's yeah. a different kind of advantage because if Sensor is bad, you can just cycle it away, right? So it's like right, it's very yeah. similar to this one. If it's just if they've played around it enough times, you can you don't have to like sit and have it rot in your hand. You can just play it as a land, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think there's similar power levels, to be honest. Right. right. Um, the, the other thing I like about these lands that's funky with there's so many bounce your lands to your hand effects. Yeah. That makes like an early time, like early in the game, you play these lands when you need them on a turn that it doesn't matter that it comes into play tapped. And later you might want to scoop up something mm-hmm. and return it um, to cast that spell. It seems like there's a lot of things you can do with that. Yeah. yeah well and the nice part is is those creatures are actually good creatures you know there's the the three that i'm thinking of tazim raptor is two and a white for a two two flyer that lets you return a land to your hand that's a good card a three mana two two flyer you're gonna play that card in limited all the time and it yeah. just has the extra benefit of like bouncing a land to your hand the other one the one that's not as good in my opinion as the other two is the red one it's a five mana four five red creature that when the ETBs, you get to return a land to your hand, and if you do, you shock the opponent. So, wow. do, do you realize how many words you just said? Like, I, I, I that's one of my favorite cards for red. <laughs> it's it's good as a curve topper for uh, the aggressive red decks, but in the abstract, what, what, you know. What are you sad about a five mana four or five that pinged your opponent for two in like a mid range deck? I wouldn't say I'm sad about it. That blocks. <laughs> Like, but in comparison that, that to it, through like most board states in this format, that, 
Yeah, that, but that outside of a, <laughs> a three-minute yeah. two-two flyer, <laughs> and then, that, that, the card's great. The uh, the six mana green creature that uh, Kazandu Stomper. It's a six five oh, with trample that lets you return up to two lands if you want to. So mm-hmm. those both give you those both are a little more exciting cards than a four five. But I will agree with you that the card is still good, and I oftentimes will still play one. But you can't I'm saying, believe you think a three mana two two flyer is more exciting than a five mana four five that pings your opponent for two when it comes into play. You're blowing my mind here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, three out of two, two flyers. Yeah, you're right. I'll play those in limited all day. But five mana, four fives that ping your opponent for two. I play those in limited all day. Well. I still, I, I still play one in my red decks. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't. I'm just saying compared to the other, in my opinion, compared to the other two, it's the least exciting of the three. I, I think, I, I, I found the six drop more awkward. Like I rarely want to return two anyway. Right. Six drop six mana is so much more than five mana in limited. That's very like a shit. Yeah. Like, well, considering too that a lot I, I of these know. cards, yeah, a lot of these cards like these, but, and, and that's like that's like the only card that sees frequent play that that four or five doesn't get to block or swing into. Like, there's very few five fives in this format. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. There's a lot of five. There's a lot of five fours. Yeah, like there, yeah. there's there's a lot of decks that are stopping at four fours. Yeah, or their toughness is like at four or something yeah. like that. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I don't know. Even the big party payoff guy warrior is like a seven five, right? Yeah. So that and that's like the fatty. Yeah, I I think I played that card more than anyone else. Like, I've only had like one opponent opponent play that against me. Card seems good. Yeah, like if if you're in the party deck, like dude, jamming that out for like five mana even, which isn't rare, is sweet. Right. Like, and you just need two party types, which is like yeah. the entire set. You're right. going to stumble into that. Yeah, like even decks that I'm not really trying to be party, I'm like, well, I can probably play this, like, yeah, for five mana pretty easily. So, uh, yeah, just kind of a shout out to that card as well. I think that that gets underplayed, but. I think that might just be that there's a lot of – I feel like these sets have all been pretty deep. Yeah, uh, and I agree. And at the end of the day, it is a vanilla creature. Right. Um, at the other end, back to what we were originally talking about with the colors, um, after blue being the most popular in draft in my experience with, with them, black and red seem to be the next two because of the removal aspect. They – Black, mm-hmm. red, and white have the best removal in this set outside of, like, blue having tempo-based removal or bubble snare. Um, That's most formats I'd like to point out. Right, but, <laughs> right, right. But, like, black and red seem to be pretty popularly drafted at the moment. The uh, the party deck is red-black. The, the better of the two, a better of the three party alternatives you can play, the best one is red-black. Um, bl- uh, black has removal spells like, uh, like Vanquish the Weak, and um deadly alliance 
And uh, one card that I've been really impressed with is uh, Subtle Strike, which is one in a black, choose one or both. Uh, target creature gets minus one, minus one until the end of the turn, or put a pl- plus one, plus one counter on your creature, on one of, or on a target creature. So that card oftentimes will trade with a low card and buff your guy a little bit. And um, Or you can do it in combat where you're like, I'll shrink this creature and make this other creature bigger, and then my two creatures kill your creatures. And yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. It, it's funny. They've been, I think the first one of that effect was it, was it in uh, Ixalan? I'm trying to remember, like, it was like just a one black mana instant. It wasn't a counter yeah. that it gave you, but I forget what it was. Wasn't it? Yeah, I can't, I can't remember. I can't remember that card was felt. really good though. In that, yeah, that was really high on that. It, and I think, like, I feel like they've had a card that's doing that in like every couple of sets since, and yeah, it's like a. It's like a sneaky, sneakily strong combat trick, because mm-hmm. like the it, it's usually like because like a one mana plus two plus two is usually kind of playable and limited. Um, I kind of have to be desperate to play cards like that, but uh, and I think at the smallest value, it's effectively doing that. You know, pump yours right. plus one plus one, make their thing minus one minus one. But the high end is like you said where if you have two creatures in combat with like two of theirs and they're both just like an even trade, all of a sudden you turn that into um, both of them. Right. You, you keep both your creatures and they lose both of theirs. Yep. So it has the high end of a a two for one. Right. Low end is still just a one for one trade. That said, there's there's a couple of really powerful uncommons and oncommons that have one toughness that basically need to be killed on sight. Um, yeah. an, an example of this is in my it's it's my favorite uncommon to play with. Um, it is the fearless fledgling. It's a one in a white for a one one little birdie. When a, a landfall, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on fearless fledgling. It yeah. gains flying until end of turn. So yeah, I, I I have lost some games of limited where my opponent has been on the play, played this card on turn two, passed, and then I go second land, go or play a creature, and they go okay, turn three, play a land, attack you for two, play something else. Next turn, play a land, attack you for three in the air, do play something else, and like they're either killing your creatures or gumming up the ground, and they're just like attacking you with this flyer that gets bigger every single turn. And yeah. subtle strike kills that card the turn it comes in. And yeah, I mean, yeah you, go ahead. Green white landfall is kind of a scary deck because there's three different landfall get a plus one plus one counter yeah things as all in curve right yeah yeah, it's all all in curve (laughs) you can go go two drop that what he's talking about three drop what is it like a cat territorial scythe cat two one with trample yep yeah yeah two one trample gets counters that thing gets out of here that gets out of control there's a four drop two three vigilance yeah can also be super annoying like once you hit multiple land drops after having all those out, it's just like, well, this one's flying, this one's trample, and this one's vigilant. So, like, what? Right. How do I there's there's some really good ramp effects in green, too. There's the explosive vegetation, and then there's also, is it is it Harrow? Sack of land, get two? Yeah. I also yeah. really like, there's, like, the front side of Arrow, <laughs> almost. It's like a three-mana, draw a card, gain two yeah. life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Scale the heights. Yep. Yeah, put a plus one plus one counter out of thing. You can play an additional land. Yeah. Yep. That's so much text. Yeah. Right. I, I've I've played like three of those in a deck before, which might be a bit much, but 
I feel like other people are not playing that card. I'm like, it does so much. Yeah, if you're land falling, the that yeah. card's great. Yeah. Yeah, I I do think you want to be in a deck with some landfall stuff, uh, but right. still, <clears throat> like well, that, that, I that's nice. with, with two ahead. of those the two on trample landfall good counter guys out. Mm-hmm. It was just devastating. I think that's a nice segue into talking about archetypes in the format. We can just start talking about landfall. In in my opinion, there's two really good landfall colors. There's green-white, which we've been talking about, and then there's red-green. And they kind of have different payoffs uh, or different play lines, I guess. Green-white is going to be playing is going to be scaling up playing huge creatures and they're going to have landfall things that we talked about, like getting plus one, plus one counters. And, um, they, they usually curve out. They have that really cool card. The two men of, uh, vigilant card. Um, yeah, Marasa something or other. It's one green, one white for a two, three with vigilance that you can tap it to put a land, a basic land from your hand into play or tap it to return a basic land from your, from play to your hand. So you can buy back land. I don't think it has land. to be a basic land. Huh? I don't think it has to be a basic land. Uh, it it does. It does. I was yeah. really sad when I found out it did because I had all these cool uh, double-faced cards I was going to buy back, but I couldn't. Yeah, I never I, noticed that. <laughs> that makes sense. I remember I had this game where I was like, why isn't he bouncing his spell lands? Like, he just, <laughs> I can be here. It all makes sense now. You, right. you think I'd read the card at that point, but nah. nah. Balancing mechanics. <laughs> but in green-white, you do have both of the – both. you have two of the three – creatures that can return lands as well, the Chizim Raptor and the Kazandu Stomper. And then there's some really powerful um, land creatures. There's the Mythic that I've only gotten a couple of times. It's Ashaya. It's the green five drop that gets a, its power and toughness are equal to the number of lands you control. And it turns all of your creatures into land creatures. Yeah. So if you play, if you, yeah. <laughs> and I got steamrolled. I, I if, just had really bad luck. But. If, you, uh, if you play that card... Any creature you play, including that card, landfalls your creatures that have landfall. Yeah, it's sick. Um, it's That's really sick. crazy. And then there's a wrath effect at uh, – it's called Undo Inversion. It can be played as a land. It's like an eight drop. Destroy all non-land permanents. I had it one time. I actually linked it in our Discord. I snipped it where I had both Ashaya and that Undo Inversion card. And two of my games, I got to play this card that said destroy all non-land permanents while my Ashaya was out, which is basically like destroy your whole board, but mine sticks around because all my creatures are land creatures, and then I'm going to kill you. Like, yeah, it was pretty dumb. So pretty dumb. Bag win there. That's pretty good. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and it even helps you like ramp into it. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, uh, red green is a little more aggressive. They've got some haste creatures. They've got some landfall creatures that have temporary buffs, although they're quite a bit bigger. And one card is a- that actually impressed me quite a bit in that landfall deck is cleansing wildfire. Have you played with this card yet, Brian or Britain or Mason? Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, I've seen it. Uh, if you can get like a couple of those landfall, get plus two, plus two, and especially like that three drop one is really scary because I have like trample and it comes like a five three. Yeah, plated geopede. Yep. Oh, not plated geopede. No, it's uh, it's uh, some skyclave geopede. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, but anyway, if you have like a couple of those out, and then you go like land drop for turn. And then blow up one of my own lands, draw a card, put another land into play. All of a sudden, you got two triggers. Then you're swinging for a million because, like that, right. it represents like eight additional power in that turn if you have two of those. Yeah, I did. I did exactly that in one of my games where I felt like it was really good. Yeah. There was the uh, I went turn one, 
a Coombe Hellhound, which is basically for those of you that are familiar with originals and the car, it's uh, step links. And then the second, the, the, I forget what it's called. That aren't familiar, uh, fuck you. <laughs> the red green, it's, it's red green. Now it's red green, uh, brush fire elemental or something like that. Red green for a one, one with haste landfall plus two, plus two, and can't be blocked by creatures of power two or less. Modern and staple then, now. <laughs> and then play modern. Yeah. It's in a, I don't know if it's a shadow deck. It's in, it's in, it's in some Jund aggro deck now that's been Weird. popping up. I've just got crushed by it. Really? Yeah. Specifically that card too. They just like played it, it on turn two, that good. and then turn three they play another one, fetch land. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that that is pretty strong, I guess. Yeah. I I laughed at it at first. I was like, okay. You yeah. Could didn't have enough cards to finish the actual deck, so you put this guy in. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> that, um, that's the other too. I don't, I don't know. That that just yeah. doesn't feel modern power level to me. I get that it's better with a bunch of fetches, but it's weird. Right. Like after that it falls off, right? But I don't know. Just play some yeah. random picks. You'll keep hitting those fetch lines. Right. That too. Yeah. Um, Which that. Yeah. And, and you can get that last point of damage in. It's like my favorite thing. I, I've gotten a few kills in John where it's just like, and piggy with ring six. Right. Got him. Right, right. <laughs> um... But yeah, Cleansing Wildfire is a really cool card for that uh, for that red green deck because it doesn't actually spend a card. It's one in a red, destroy target not or destroy target land. Uh, its controller may search their library for a basic land card and put it into play tapped, and then you draw a card. So yeah, your initial in, inspect is like, oh, I'm going to just target my opponent's lands with this and like bully their mana. Well, you can also target your own and get landfall triggers, and then just basically say, okay, I'm spending two mana for a landfall trigger, and I'm not actually spending a card to do it. Which yeah, is nice. no tip in limited. You are not bullying your opponent's <laughs> mana with that card. They yeah. have a million basics. You're you're not gonna, right. you're not gonna um, unless team. they're playing unless they're playing three three colors or even or if they're playing like if they've played a double faced card as a land that you're looking to try to that you don't want them to use later on. That's like the only scenario that I would ever target my opponent's lands in limited. But I think that that second one is maybe. It seems pretty niche, but right. That, that's the only one I can see maybe happening. I don't think. I think even with a three-color deck, they're playing minimum of three of each basic. Like, yeah, that absolute minimum. Unless it's like this tiny splash, and they play like two of them, maybe. I don't know. And at that point, I, they might not even need it. Yeah, it's like when they're doing that, it's like I have like right. one seven mana card in my deck that I just need like one of this color for. Yeah, right. right. Uh, so just pro tip, if you draft that card, it should be with the idea of landfall triggers. That is the only reason to play that. But it is effectively like it only costs you one mana at the end of the day um, because the land comes into play untapped, right? No, it comes in tapped. Oh, it comes in tapped? So it is two mana, yeah. You have to spend God, that. it's garbage. Never mind. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Throw it away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, no, it, it, it can even like fix your mana. Like I had... Yeah. <clears throat> that was how he got his green source, one of the games. I was playing against it. Right. You can you <clears throat> can hit your own lands and fix your own mana. But one of the things I will caution anyone who's thinking about red-green landfall is to make sure that, yes, even though you have a very aggressive deck, this is still limited. You aren't guaranteed to draw your aggressive pieces in the order that you want. So make sure you still have a, a top end that's reasonable. You don't want to draft all 
you know, one, two, three, and four mana cards and get four Akum Hellhounds and then your opponent, you know, curves out and goes two drop, three drop, four drop, five drop, and now you can't attack anymore. You still need to have, like, a decent end game with good removal in order for that deck to really, really shine. Uh, you're yeah. oftentimes not going to be able to run over your opponent. Um, you might get it one game every every best of one league where your opponent keeps a hand that doesn't play anything till turn four and you can run them over, but it doesn't happen consistently enough for you to want to do that. Yeah, I, I like the green white one better. Me too. Be I find the... I really just think the the... The one drop Steppy Links guy. And for those of you that don't know what Steppy Links is, it's uh, so this one is one red mana. Steppy Links is one white mana. The rest is all the same. Zero one landfall gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Right. So that card is so freaking bad when you're not getting landfall, uh, which is what makes it really awkward, in my opinion. You're an aggressive deck, but you need to be playing a lot of lands. Yeah. And the, the spell lands help out quite a bit with that, but the fact that it's utter trash when you're not hitting landfall is not something you can ignore, in my opinion. And one drops in general, uh, you should usually be weary of and right. limited, um, just because you're not very likely, unless you're playing a bunch of them, to get them on turn one. And one drops are usually not very powerful and super low impact later in the game. Right. So, I would be interested in playing that deck if I got multiple of like two or three or even four of the red green haste haster landfall with one one that we talked about, and then maybe even okay. a couple of copies of the Skyclave GP, the the three one with trample. So those, yeah, those are the cards it. I'd be keying in on rather than the one mana zero one because that card's going to come around a lot at the common. Right, and so I did get absolutely trounced one time by that deck. And he had at least three of the Steppy Links, at least three of the red-green guy, and at least three of the the one we're talking about, Blow Up Land Draw card. And he also played, like, the... He had turn three that centipede every game. Jeez. Like, every game he went Steppy Links, two-drop, centipede. Yeah, and then like started playing like maybe another landfall creature and blowing up one of his lands and or some removal an additional landfall yeah. every turn after that and he just absolutely ran over me, right? But uh, I, I think I think the Stippy Links is really bad most of the time. It was right. it was actually quite good in its limited format as well, but you had fetch lands and. You had like actual fetch lands in there, plus uh, Terramorphic Expanse, and there was something else, right? <sighs> Wasn't Harrow in there too? Maybe Harrow. I think Harrow was legal. Uh, there. Yeah, and were were bounce bounce lands weren't in there? No, no, bounce. no, they weren't in that one. But yeah, but anyway, you, you had Harrow and stuff too. So right, uh, I don't know, but and it was still it was still risky even then, but it was something people did. Right. It was, it was Boros in that one because you had Stippy Links and then you had played a Geopede, which was like the two mana one one first strike landfall plus two plus two. Yeah, the, the Brushfell Elemental reminds me a lot of that card, except rather than having the keyword first strike, it says that it has haste, yeah, haste. and it can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less, which is. Probably yeah, that, that's than another big card on that one. Right, that's another, that's that's much better than played a Geopede, but yeah. Um. Yeah, so that's that's the landfall archetypes as a whole. I guess um, uh, talking about my favorite archetype, 
um, I really like playing with kicker. Um, this this deck speaks to me in the tempo aspects of the things that I really like. It's, the best shell for it is blue-green, but I have played blue-black because um, there's some decent black kicker cards. Um, there's a there's a Gravedigger card that can be kicked for four. There's a two-mana 1-1 one, one flyer that can be kicked for six and become a 3-3 three, three flyer. Um, there's a couple of other cards like that. But generally, blue-green is the best way to take it. Um, there's some car- key cards that you needed to get in this deck to make it playable or good, or just the kicker deck in general. And one of them, probably the best... Uh, one of the best blue uncommons, if not the best blue uncommon, is Roost of Drakes. Yeah. Ryan, did you did you play with this card? Um, I've been trounced by it, but I've literally I've drafted the kicker deck a couple of times, sort of. I say sort of because I just never saw that card. Um, but like I've been like kind of like draft like a really good blue or green card a few times in a row, and it's like, well, I guess. I'm sort of doing the kicker thing. Right. I've had like the rare where you like draw cards or something. I don't know. It, it was a long time ago. Like, isn't there like one where you draw a card anytime you kick or something like that? Um, I don't think you draw a card every time you kick, but I'll just share this card here quick. So this card is one yeah. blue. Anyway, yeah, that, I, I've never seen that. I've never gotten drafted myself, but it's insane. And I've been ran over by it. Um, so. what, one blue enchantment. Uh, kicker two and a blue. When Roost of Drakes enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, create a two-two blue Drake creature token with flying. Whenever you cast a kicked spell, create a two-two black Drake or two-two blue Drake creature token with flying. Mister Grody, I saw you were playing with this card in your first draft. What are you? What's your take? Yeah, my first draft ever of this set and playing on Arena. Um, yeah, I just did. Basically, it was just mono blue. Okay, so, but I, I got four of the. Uh, the one mana kicker tap a creature or whatever keep it tap yeah. and yep, the, bubble snare yep four of the bounce wizards and holy cow okay yeah so every every game that I got that enchantment I couldn't I couldn't lose like that right. card was insane it was yeah. but I, I lost every game I didn't get it. Yeah, it's it, there's some answers to it that people have keyed on. Um, specifically, feed the swarm in black. People are using now to kill this card, and also um, there's the white enchantment that the party white enchantment that can journey to oblivion. The O stone for like it's cheaper for uh, creatures in your party that can deal with this card. But yeah, this card's insane. Um, it plays really nicely on the curve for you because there's a three mana creature that you want to play in the kicker deck that's Risen Riptide. It's a three mana zero five two and a blue. Whenever you cast a kicked spell, it becomes a creature with base power and toughness five five. So it it goes really nicely on curve with both Roost of Drakes and Into the Royal, where both Into the Royal and Roost of Drakes cost four when you kick them. They both do something else as well, where into the Royal basically says, I'm going to bounce your creature, draw a card, attack you for five, or I'm going to play Roost of Drakes and play make a 2-2, attack you for five, and then from there, any of my kick spells make a 2-2. And it's kind of just like the tempo deck of the limited format. It's it's one mm-hmm. of the best at it. it. It it doesn't really have very many permanent answers if you don't get Rabid Bite or Fight Effects. Green Green's removal is based on Fight Effects, Um or rabid bite being one in a green target creature you control deals damage target creature you don't control based on the power of the creature um so you can often trade that for 
um, to get through as like an actual kill spell. But most of the time, you're bouncing something, you're preventing it from tapping or untapping, and you're just looking to tempo play them. So this card, this deck's great. I love this deck. It's one of my favorite decks in the entire format. Yeah. Um, some key, some key green cards to talk about for this deck. Uh, I think I mentioned most of the blue ones. One blue one that you do want to get with this deck that is really good. It's the Merfolk Falconer. It's a five mana four four flyer three blue blue. Uh, whenever you cast a kicked spell, scry two. Um, okay. And this happens before you draw a card off of Into the Royal or before you. Um, draw any cards off of any of the other stuff that you're that you're getting but a five mana four four flyer is very good yeah um, those stats are all star for limited like right if it said right. nothing else other than it was a five mana four four flying that would be uh that'd be a pick one or pick two card right i completely agree and some of the green cards you're looking at getting there's a couple of important ones uh vine gecko is the first one that i want to talk about uh vine gecko is one in a green for a two two uh creature that says the first kicked spell you cast each turn costs one less to cast and whenever you cast a kicked spell put a plus one plus one counter on vine gecko so this Mm -hmm. creature can get pretty large pretty quickly um and the other one that's really important is marasa sproutling um marasa sproutling is another uncommon uh two and a green kicker one in the green when marasa sprawling enters the battlefield if it was kicked return target cre- kick excuse me target card with a kicker ability from your graveyard to your hand at, at its own base rate it's a three mana three three which is not terrible if you kick it for five mana or four mana if you got the gecko in play you get to bring back a kicked spell um if you get two of these things they're pretty stupid because you can you can trade off one in combat then use the other one to get back the first one and then trade that one off in Mm -hmm. combat and then you can just loop marasa sproutlings for a while and this deck's really great uh really fun um you can get back ahead on cards with uh they have there's a three mana divination that can be kicked for two and a blue to draw three instead of draw two that card's really good for this deck um one of my favorite archetypes for sure. So one that you didn't mention that I think is also really good is the freaking bear. Oh yeah. Gnarled colony. Yeah. 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 Like it, it, it's either a two mana two, two, which is fine for limited or it's a five mana four, four, um, that gives, doesn't, isn't that the one that gives trample to creatures with plus one plus one counters? Yeah. All all creatures you control with plus one plus one have trample. Yeah. So then it becomes a 5-mana 4-4 trample that's potentially giving some other creatures in your deck trample as well. Right. Card is nuts. That card just seems good in general. Yeah, like yeah, it goes in multiple you, decks. You can play sure. however many you draft, you can play those in your deck and limit it. Yeah. Like, you're, you're not going to draft too many. Like, right. if you get four or five of those, sweet. It helps you curve so much. You, you want both of those things. In your deck. Right, right. So. Um, another archetype that I really like playing is the Black-White Clerics deck. Um, this is the... This deck is, is kind of like... It can be kind of played played multiple ways, um, but it, it's got... It's really good. Both the Blue-Green Kicker deck and the Black-White Clerics deck are really... Uh, nice options for consistency purposes because a lot of the payoffs that you want are at common and uncommon rather than rare. Um, one of the reasons why, I, I, just a little segue here quick, we talked about the party deck originally. The red-black party deck is the, and for those of you that aren't familiar, party is this mechanic where 
party cares about the number of creatures that are in play at once. One rogue, one wizard, one warrior, and one cleric. Yeah, cleric, wizard, rogue, warrior. You can have one of each creature in your party, and there's certain cards that get cheaper or do extra effects based on the number of creatures in your party. And it doesn't count um, creatures with multiple card types. So if you had a human, warrior, wizard, that still only counts as one. But if you were to play a second creature that was a warrior, then that warrior wizard would count as a wizard, and this card would count as a warrior. So you actually still need to have four creatures in play, but you need to have those card types between all four of them. So red-black has some nice party synergies that don't rely on rare, Um, whereas, in my opinion, part of the reason why blue-white party struggles so much is because a lot of the payoffs are at rare or uncommon and there aren't really any payoffs at common and that's part of the reason why you you don't really see a lot of people playing blue white party every draft is because you kind of have to like stumble into it you can't really like draft it intentionally without getting a little bit lucky so um black white clerics falls into that category of deck that is good because a lot of the cards that you play uh are not rare and that's why it's really nice to it's really nice to have decks like this where you can kind there are good rare cards that go into it but a lot of the good payoffs are at common and uncommon. Have you played or seen this deck at all, either of you two? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I guess I've played against me a couple of times. I feel like it doesn't make sense unless you get the uncommon cleric, though, the black-white one. I don't see any reason to play cleric specifically other than that. Uh, there's it a card that... that people, it, there's, a, uh, there's a card, there's an artifact that... Uh, is really good in this set um, for clerics. It's it's the relic. Um, it's called relic vile. It's three mana for an artifact. Two and tap. Sacrifice a creature. Draw a card. As long as you control a cleric, relic vile has. Whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Um, it is an uncommon, and so is the cleric of life spawned that mm-hmm. you were talking about. Which the cleric of life spawned just to hit that card real quick. Um, Cleric of Life's Bond is one white, one black for a 2-2. Whenever another cleric enters the battlefield under your control, you gain one life. Whenever you gain life for the first time each turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on Cleric of Life's Bond. Yeah, Um, I mean, I I think the deck is great if you get multiples of those, and I think it's super medium otherwise. Right, I've I've played the deck with... uh, I've played the deck without any Cleric of Life's Bond and with two... uh, with two of that artifact that I mentioned, the relic, and it was quite good still. Um, but I agree, you need to have one of those. You need to have at least two copies in some combination of those two cards, which they are both at uncommon. So you are, you know, there's a, there's a, a non-zero chance that you're going to see it. Um, but you've got yeah. some really nice commons that go in this deck, like um, yeah, I, I think the upside is that there are some nice commons for the deck that nobody else wants. Right. So Core Celebrant is one. Core Celebrant is one of the better white commons. It's two and a white for a 1-4 cleric. Uh, whenever Core Celebrant or another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain one life. And then it pairs very nicely with Marauding Blight Priest, which is two and a black for a 3-2. Whenever you gain life, each opponent loses one life. So if you get those two going together, every creature you play, you gain one, your opponent loses one. And if you get the Relic Vial going, then you're... You're also stacking creatures and draining two, um, or you know, drawing cards, extra cards, things like that. So, the deck yeah. is. You're right. It, the deck does need some of its some of its uncommons, but I'd rather be looking for uncommons than looking for rares. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, I'm I'm only doing that if I pick one of those uncommons early. 
if it it would have to be in like my first three picks. And other than that, I'm probably not looking at that deck. But uh, but I, I do, and I, I've just never had that happen, to be honest. I've never drafted that deck. So I don't know, maybe I'm undervaluing it, but I played against it a couple of times. And every time I played against it, they had the black-white uncommon on turn two. And then they just like were going off if I couldn't answer it. Right. Um, but yeah, I, it, it's definitely strong. Um, I think it's likely that you'll be the only one drafting it if you go into it, but I'd be a little weary of trying to force it every time or anything like that. I think you, you want to see one of those uncommons in your first few picks and then go for it. Um, Cause as I said, you want a lot of these cards that no other deck wants. Right. So like, it's not like it, you can like s- sort of force the kicker deck and then like, kind of go a couple of different directions if it doesn't work out. Cause as we were talking about blue is like the deepest color anyway. And all those kicker cards are cards that you're fine playing anyway. Um, but I don't think you can pivot into any other deck other than maybe a party deck than with that one. Right. If you started black, white and pack one, and then you, you got one of the uncommons and then you didn't end up getting anything else. You might still end up with like a decent deck because there's still, like I said, if you get enough of those, of those core celebrants and rotting blight priests, you also have the five mana common angel, the three, four that flies and gains you plus or gains you two life for each creature in your party. Uh, that card's, that card's pretty, that card comes around pretty often late in the draft. And, um, it's pretty nice. It pairs nicely with the life gain synergy stuff where obviously we're talking about the ideal scenario of like making a deck that a black, white cleric deck that would go seven wins pretty easily. However, you could pick up four or five wins without either of those cards. If you had enough of the three mana creatures that drain and gain life and um, enough of the angels and whatnot, sometimes you can still get there with those. Um, Another card that goes in that deck that's crazy to me, um, it's a bomb for sure. It's the five mana, it's the Scion of the Swarm. It's yeah. three, three black black for a three three flyer. Whenever you gain life, put a plus one plus one counter on Scion of the Swarm. So if you have one core celebrant in play, you're playing a five mana four four flyer that still has that effect. If you have two core celebrants in play, you just played a five mana five five flyer. And it's, it's whenever you gain life, whereas... The cleric of life spawn says whenever you gain life for the first time each turn. This is just whenever you gain life. So, yeah, pretty pretty crazy card. Yeah, yeah, it definitely definitely has upside uh, to be in that deck. Um, and I feel like we've had a deck like that just like in limited forever now. They just I think that's just what they decided black white is. Black white yeah. is gain life and gain value for it, one way or the other. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and I think uh, I think that's because a lot of a lot of newer players, especially, just love gaining life, and they they don't want them to get punished too hard for going that. Because classically, just cards that just gain you life aren't typically good. Right. right. So, um, yeah. Uh, Mason, what else did you play in your other drafts? You played kicker, and then what else? Um, so in order, I played Kicker, then I played a really mediocre red-green uh, Landfall deck, and then a really mediocre green-white Landfall deck, a blue-red party deck. Okay. 
That deck was re- actually did quite well with it. Um, it was only I was like one point of damage short of three three owing. It was because it was MTGO. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I was one, I got him to one, and I I cried. It was, <laughs> um, and then I didn't get to play it. I don't have super high hopes of it, but we'll see. It's a red white warriors. I just drafted it. I didn't get to play it though. Okay, cool, cool. Those are two decks we haven't talked about yet. Um, while we still have a little time here, so red blue party. What did you What did you play blue for? It was strange. So the big, it was it played like a tempo control type deck. Uh huh. Um, the two, the big ones were the bounce wizard, um, the okay. wizard that it was a lot of wizards. Yep, that's blue red's archetype is blue red wizards. Yep. Yeah, to be expected. Um, the wizard that if it dies, you draw a card. Um, yep. There was the two drop rare rogue that if you if something of a party enters, it gets yep. unblockable. And if you have a nimble card, trap finder, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I played the the big card. It was mostly it was mostly wizards. Now I'm thinking about it, but it it had all of the types. Um, and it had like the, the wizard that when it enters, it deals X damage to target creature equal yeah. to the number in your party. Yeah. That card's great. I will say a lot of my success probably had to do with the mythic, but, uh, with the mythic? That, that four, four dragon. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Kind of, kind of good. But the, the other cards like being able to bounce stuff, I had like into the Royal, there was like a decent amount of removal Mm-hmm. And tackle yeah. like I was able to squeak right. in even without the dragon. Yeah, right. Uh, one of my more successful decks was actually blue red wizards as well. Just mm-hmm. the tempo you get to play is sweet. Right. You get to play all these like I had pretty much all the cards you mentioned except for the dragon. Yeah, because I'm not that lucky. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like most games were just like I would play two drop, three drop, maybe like two more two drops. All of them would have like some sort of evasion, and then I would just start bouncing their creatures forever with into the royals and the and the wizard, right. and then I have like you know there'd just be flyers and unblockable shit everywhere. The uh, yeah. the really nice there's a so the re- the red cards have a nice party curve to them if you play them. There's a sneaking guide, which is a one mana one one, and then for two and tap, you can give a creature with two or less power unblockable um there's also grow tag bug catcher which is the two mana one two with trample that uh gets plus one plus zero in combat for each creature in your party and then there's the ardent electromancer which is two in a red make red mana equal to the number of creatures in your party a three two creature and they are all different creatures so you can go sneaking guy which is a rogue bug catcher which is a warrior electromancer which is a wizard make three mana play something else so um there's a really cool curve for that which is really nice but the wizards deck is one of my favorite decks to play as well um and there's some really good commons and non-commons for the set obviously you've got some rares um magmatic channeler is a good card uh nimble trap finder like you said is a good rare but the really there's two uncommons that i want to highlight for the red white wizards deck the first one is relic amulet it's a it's a two mana artifact whenever you cast an instant sorcery or wizard spell Put a charge counter on Relic Amulet. And then for two and tap, remove all charge counters from Relic Amulet. It deals that much damage to target creature. 
So if you get this thing early, um, or even even late, it's still fine. It can still pick off a lot of things. But early on, if you play this if you play this on turn two, every wizard and spell you play from here on out puts a counter onto it, and then it uh, it can start killing two two toughness creatures, three toughness creatures, even you know upwards of four and five. You, it synergizes really nicely with Into the Royal, where you can go. Uh, bounce your creature, put a charge counter, bounce your big creature, put a charge counter on tap, use the charge counter to kill your small creature and then attack you kind of thing. So it's a really mm-hmm. nice tempo card. Um, another, The other uncommon I want to highlight is a red card. Um, it is uh, Rockslide Sorcerer, which has my vote for the best red uncommon in the set. Um, wow. It's a four mana, three, three wizard, uh, three and a red. Whenever you cast an instant sorcery or wizard spell, Rockslide Sorcerer deals one damage to any target. So it can upgrade your removal. It can uh, ping things for just, you know, you can play the divination, draw two cards, ping your one toughness creature. And any wizard you play does this effect as well. So wizards is cool. Wizards is a really fun archetype. It's another it's another deck, though, that I found some trouble with um, remembering when I was first playing it, remembering to draft uh a late curve as well. Sometimes you can get caught up too much in the wizard synergy and the, um, and playing a bunch of, you know, two and three mana wizards that are really cool. And then you don't have any, you know, good five and six drops. And then you just get overrun if they answer your board early. I mean, I think you really just need like maybe a couple of like the five mana four, four flyers, I think is like my ideal top end of that. And otherwise just relying on the kicker Mm -hmm. guy. The, there's another yeah. there's another uncommon that fits in this set too for top end. It's the Umaro Wizard. Four and a blue, four three. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, it gains flying until end of turn, and it can be played as a yeah. land. Yeah, that card's pretty cool. That one's decent. Yeah, just like a couple of things like that is probably enough. Like you're you're tempoing anyway. Um, I I think you know most games when I was playing that came down to like turn six and seven, kicking that wizard and bouncing one of their things, but kind of like. Um, I, I had, I think four of them as well. I was right. pretty high on that card. And you get to um, play, um, and you get to play Royal Eruption, which is the best common in the entire set, in my opinion. Um, it's yeah. the, the, the two mana sorcery lightning bolt. Yep. Yep. So one in a red kicker is five royal eruption deals three damage to any target if it was kicked it deals five damage instead so it go it pairs nicely with the early as an early removal spell it can be picked up later on by returning it to your hand with the royal mage or something like that and then kicking it to deal five to your opponent to finish them off or um dealing five to a big creature to kill it there's a lot of cool things that that card can do yeah i dig it yeah, is there any other limited stuff you guys want to talk about then? Or do we want to talk about any other archetypes in limited? What are we feeling? It, it's up to you guys. We're at an hour and 15 minutes now. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think we've exhausted my my experience with, uh, with that particular format. Okay. Um, I don't know if we're... I'm, I know I know that I'm the one that's really high on this format. I think everyone should play it. I think it's fantastic and and it's interactive and fun and and there's something for everybody in it. There's all the mm-hmm. colors feel relatively well balanced. Um, pick if you're if you're going into draft, just a couple of of early 
tips from me. You don't have to follow them strictly if you have other plans, but I value removal um, in the first five picks, four picks of the draft. Unless I, unless it's a, a rare bomb that's going to win me the game every time I play it, I'm going to be prioritizing removal, good removal over good creatures. Um, and then you know I, I can I can cross the finish line with a with a little guy. Uh, it doesn't really matter that much to me if it's a two one that I win the game with. It's, but the the big removal spells are good early. I would recommend trying to stay open um because the more open you stay in the early few picks um the better off you could be depending on what gets passed to you um people may end up passing people may end up following the same pattern as you and they're passing you know black white specific cleric cards or specific blue red wizards cards in favor of more open picks and then if you picked royal eruption on turn one and you get past a blue red wizard you might end up in a in a really nice blue red wizards deck um yeah and i'll go ahead brian sorry yes i I was just gonna say that's pretty much my my advice for drafting in general um is if you see a sweet bomb you should take it uh removal is the next priority um and like so am i the early on the draft is the more important those rules are uh, and I think early on in the draft, you should just be trying to stay open and draft the best card. Uh, and the longer the draft goes, the less you need to focus on that stuff and the more you need to focus on what is my deck missing. Right. Uh, and like try to, to fill in the gaps, make sure you have a good curve. Right. Um, and make sure you have a good amount of creatures and removal. Because um, like if you just follow that, trend the whole time like i've i've done it where i just end up with a deck with a mountain of removal but like no way to win the game right and then like i kill all my opponent's creatures for a while but i never close out the game and then eventually they get me <laughs> right definitely um, take your time in the later in in the until once you get into pack two and onward take your time and start thinking about your curve and what your deck might be missing like oh i have a ton of three drops I, there's this really good three drop here maybe i shouldn't take it in favor of this like decent four drop or five drop because i need to have things to play at all points on my curve you don't want to heavily skew your hand too much because one thing that does happen in best of one sometimes is you your opening hand doesn't have anything that you can play until turn three and then you get run over so making sure you have some two drops and and one drops even if the one drops are, are reasonable um I think is is fine. I wouldn't. I would look to think about your one drops as like, what do they what do they do later on? Am I going to be happy to draw them later on? Um, if the answer is no, then I would only play them if they're really crucial to your to your deck. I think as a rule of thumb, if you're not sure if a one drop is playable, it's not. Right. Um, I, I'd say that the majority of my limited decks, I well like normal limited, not cube. Uh, the majority of those decks, I have zero one drops. Right. Um, You really want to make sure, I think most of your limited decks should have a good amount of two and three drops. That's where the bulk of your deck should be. Um, And then like a good amount of four drops as well. Then like a couple of five drops, maybe a six drop or two. Right. A couple of just looking at a, doing a quick gatherer search here while we're while we're on looking at some of these one drops, um, some of them that that are good early and also good later on have some kicker effects like blood beckoning, which can grave dig some creatures. Um, you also have the reclaim the wastes, which can so when I say one drops, I'm referring to creatures, by the way. Like, OK, there's certainly good one mana spells. 
so yeah, one mana creatures. I agree with you. There's only there's only like uh, a couple of them that I would like. I would almost always play Rune Crab just because it's Rune Crab. Um, one yeah, blues, zero, yeah, that, three, that one. Fall Mills three. That one's like going to be good. It's if, worth if the risk. There's a one drop that's a must answer. Then yes, it's playable. Right, and that's a one drop that's a must answer in limited because right. even if they have no other milling effects, that alone can milly cap. Out. Right. Like, yeah, I agree. But yeah, just keeping an eye on your curve, thinking about thinking through everything that you like, take a second in the mid to late game picks and start thinking about what am I doing on turn two? What am I doing on turn three um, and turn four? It's really easy in this set to load up on three drops. So to be conscientious of your of your other spots on your curve. Um, mm-hmm. But that's a lot of what I would say, you know, Blue, black, and red are probably the best three colors. With white and green being bringing up the rear, but they're still not that bad. They're 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 all pretty even. It's just that blue, black, and red have the better removal or the better tempo aspects. So that's why they slot a lot more, a lot better into other decks. Um, yeah. They're not I just found green to be super open a lot of the times, though. And... Right, because a lot of people don't pick it because it's one of those colors that just needs to have. It's got some good cards along spots on the curve but it's not very deep so having like outside of the bomb rares people will oftentimes pass decent green cards in favor of other color cards so you can oftentimes pick up good green cards later on in the draft yeah Um, actually a couple of my best decks i drafted were green black uh where i just had all kinds of black removal and then no one was drafting green so i had all the super good on curve green creatures and uh Loading up the board with a bunch of four fours and and up is pretty good in this format. For sure, for sure. So, um, well, I I had a I had a fun. <laughs> what, what did you say? I love that bear that I mentioned when we were talking about. The yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I had a I had a fun idea to kind of end this draft here, where I was when I was last grocery shopping. I. Um, picked up a couple of booster packs to open and I'd never, I hadn't opened any Zendikar rising yet. Um, I saved them for this, for this episode. So we could kind of do a little pack one, pick one, but I'm looking at one of these packs and I feel like we're all going to have the same vote for what our pack one, pick one would be. So it may not be super fun, but we'll still do this one. Um, and we'll do the other one as well here quick. So, um, this pack, just going through the cards here quick, uh, I can shed light on any of the cards you may not know. Uh, starting at the front Tazim Royal mage expedition healer, Pyroclastic Hellion, Blood Price, Kazandu Nectar Pot, Sizzling so, Barrage. So this was my concern uh, <laughs> with doing this. I don't do card names. Same. Oh, I, all right, all right. Yeah, I. Yeah, especially I, with this that I haven't played. Okay, well let me let me take out the let me take out the uncommons and then take out the commons that I think are good, and we'll do that instead okay. of all these cards. So I have five cards in my hand from this set. Three of them are uncommons and two of them are commons. Okay. The rare the rare is unplayable. Our rare for this pack was Nahiri's Lithoforming, which is the sacrifice lands, get more lands card. It's pretty much yeah. unplayable and limited. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, so the two commons that have my attention in this pack are Tazine Royal Mage, which is the wizard we talked about that you can kick it for six mana and bring an instant sorcery back. Um, Royal Eruption, which is the two mana sorcery lightning bolt. Um, and then our uncommons are Demon's Disciple, the three mana three one when ETBs, each player stacks a creature or a planeswalker. Um, Vastwood Fortification, which is the one green, put a plus one plus one counter on a creature, can be played as a land. Um, and the last one, Thundering Spark Mage, four mana two two wizard. When it ETBs, it deals X damage to target creature or planeswalker, where X is the number of creatures in your party. So, what is your guys's pick? 
Okay, what was that first one? Uh, the burn spell, probably. Okay. Same. The lightning spell. Yeah, right? yeah that, that, one's, that one's pretty obvious. This was the pack yeah. that I was thinking we would all agree that Royal Eruption is the pick. Yeah. If this is pack one, pick one, you're taking Royal Eruption. It's the most open mm-hmm. pick. It goes in everything. Um, I've been really unimpressed with Demon's Disciple, though. Have you played with this card, Brian? Uh, well, uh, yeah, so Edict Effects, Pro Tip, and Limited are usually awful. Right. Uh, the only time I played this card... Go ahead, Mason, sorry. Well, that was me. But, oh, that was you, uh, sorry. It sounded like Mason. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, most of the time, like, you end up with these big board states and board stalls, and there's at least a couple of creatures that are almost irrelevant now. So you play that card, and yeah, they get right. rid of it pretty much a relevant creature and no one gives a shit nine times out of ten demons disciple is going to trade for their worst creature um so a lot of times the only time that i've ever played this card and been okay with playing it was in a black white clerics deck where i had multiple relic vials and you sacrificing the your own creature actually gives you a bit of a benefit and you don't care which creature of theirs you you take out because you're also just going to buy back your own creatures and black white clerics oftentimes wins the game by just stalling out the board so yeah um, i've also just played it in like a party deck because i needed a cleric right right there's some fringe scenarios where you would play it for sure but Um, otherwise it's not an exciting card edict effects in general are a trap and limited just right just a pro tip. Okay, so this last this last pack, um, again, we got a pretty underwhelming rare. Uh, the rare is Cherix, the Raging Isle, which is the four mana blue, zero power, seventeen toughness creature. Yeah, the four mana crab. It's a Leviathan crab. Come on. Spells your opponent's cast that target Cherix, the Raging Isle, costs two more to cast. For three mana, you can pay three mana. Cherix gets plus X, minus X until end of turn, where X is the number of islands you control. Pretty unplayable rare. I've played it a couple of times, and it's been very underwhelming. I did it for science, and I was very, very upset with it. Um, I mean, if you're heavy blue, I think it's playable. I wouldn't say it's unplayable. I'm not going into blue for that. Right. Most of the time, though, um, you're playing blue. If you are playing mono blue, it could be fine. But in the most of the time when you're playing blue plus something else, you only ever end up playing eight or nine islands. This card's going to be pretty unexciting um, as a you know a four thir- a four power thirteen toughness creature or whatever. If you end yeah. up with four islands and play, it's pretty underwhelming. But yeah, mono I blue, I agree. It's not it. amazing, but right. But I took out five cards from this pack as well. This one's going to be tougher. I think we might all uh, agree a little bit differently here. So. Um, the uncommons are all very good, and there's two commons that are good here. So the first one is Core Celebrant, uh, three mana, one four cleric for the cleric's deck. Whenever it or another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain a life. Garbage. Um, <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty narrow. Any of these the cleric deck, I would never pack one pick one. That. It's pretty narrow. I agree. It's it's pretty narrow, but it's at least like something that you would consider playing. If I guess okay, we're talking pack one, pick one. I'll take that card yeah. back off to the side. Um, well, no, it's, yeah, I, I mean I'm not yelling at you. You're yeah. right though. Yeah. Pack one, pick one. You're probably not going to pick it, but pack three, pick one. You might. Um, Deadly Alliance. Deadly Alliance is four mana or five mana, four and a black. Mm-hmm. This spell costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. Destroy target creature or planeswalker. It's going to be hard for that to not be my pick. Okay. Uh, next one is a double-faced card. It's an uncommon. Balaged Recovery. Two and a green. Return target card from your graveyard to your hand. Can be played as a, as a, as a land that taps for green. Um, Vine Gecko, which 
is the two mana kicker payoff, two mana, two, two. The first kick spell you cast each turn costs one less to cast. And whenever you cast a kick spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on Vine Gecko. And Fearless Fledgling, the little the little griffin that could. One in a white, one, one, landfall, gets a plus one, plus one counter, and gains flying for the turn. I, I think uh, the removal is the pick. Um, the only other defensible card uh, is the, the green kicker payoff. If you draft anything else from there as your pick one, pack one, pick one, you're wrong. I'm taking a hard stance. Interesting. Okay. All right. Mason, what's your pick? So I actually haven't had a lot of experience with it. It's a one drop that gets 1-1 one, one counters and then gets flying. No, so it's a, it's a two drop 1-1. One, one. Whenever you landfall, you get a plus one, plus one counter. The only effect that lasts for the turn is that it gets flying. Huh. I was just based on... I would be torn between that and the kill spell. Yeah, I I think it's the kill spell. I think I'm leaning towards the kill spell. The, okay. the, the only reason I'd be tempted by that is because I do think blue-green kicker is one of the better decks in the format, and that is one of the good payoffs. So, like, so the, there's also the, the, the green kicker card is here, too. There's... No, no, that, that one's when you kick a spell. Yeah, so well, they're both in here, Brian. So, oh. Vine, Vine Gecko is one and a green two two. The first kick spell you cast each turn costs one less to cast. Whenever you cast a kick spell, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Then the fledgling is also here, the white creature, one and yeah. a white one one landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield near your control, oh, that's what I'm talking about. I I must have gone insane. I thought you said the two mana or the three mana two two flyer bounce a land. Oh uh, no no no! I just had like a senior moment. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. No. When okay. you said yeah, so, or Deadly Alliance, I was like, "Oh, Brian really undervalues the little Griffin here." Yeah. Uh, well. Okay. So I guess, but I still think it's the removal. Okay. Yeah. Mason. Oh, if I if I have to pick, you have to pick one. Um, pick one. Just to be devil's advocate, I'll do the the Griffin. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> sure. I, 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 I probably I, agree I, with the kill spell. Yeah, like that. That's. The premier kill spell yeah. in the format, like it, yeah. it's not conditional. Kills yeah. whatever you needed to kill, and it costs one less for each creature in your party. And even if you're not in a party deck, you're gonna have one or two. Yeah. So right. even a kill spell for five is playable. Like a kill spell for five is playable. That's almost always gonna be you know four at most. Yeah. And like it's gonna be often a, a three cost. Yeah. And if you get it, if you're actually in the party deck. Like yeah, you're right. You're then, right. Then it's just great. You're right. That's the kill spell. Damn right, I'm right. <laughs> Brad, I'm me, taking. I'm taking. I'm, the coming for you, Brad. I'm taking the bird. You taking the bird? I can. I know. I know. I said based on how he was talking about. Yeah. It, it, despite moments ago, he was saying <laughs> in my first few picks, I'm really trying to just unless there's a sweet bomb, I'm going to be taking the removal. I don't think this card. And we're looking at the best removal of the format, and like. A I was about to <laughs> payoff card, and he's like, "I'm going for that mid-tier payoff card." No, I, it's I irreplaceable. <laughs> I know I said something about always picking removal early, and I do yeah. almost always do that. This is and not yeah. a this is not a bomb. Fearless fledgling is not what I would consider right. a bomb. However, I every game that I've played the bird on turn two, I have won, and I've done it like ten or eleven times. I've kept track. I think it's ten or eleven sure. now. I played it on turn it's two. So and bad on like turn five. It's so bad on turn five. 
that's it's still like yeah that's the cost of the of the of the card but like there's a lot of protection spells that can keep your creatures alive there's a lot of other things like that and the the yeah. removal spell is very important too don't get me wrong the removal spell is like it's probably the best or second best removal spell in the format depending on if you want to put royal eruption above it um uh, but well i think it is the best removal spell in the format uh just say like colors aside and everything it, it kills everything in the format. Like, right. Like, well, then it's the same as the white, the white enchantment, right? What? The, the white journey, journey to oblivion. The it's the same card except it's O stone that gets cheaper for each, or not O stone, uh, O ring for each creature that in your party it gets cheaper. It's five mana as well. And it's white. Yeah, which also makes it strictly worse, especially since the two right, mana they can they can get it back. a creature or enchantment and lose life is yeah but i i i have a bit of a superstition towards the bird and for that picking the bird i think is what i'm going to be going with sure i mean i mean as i said that is the most defensible other pick but but deadly alliance uh, is definitely like you said top top tier top tier card probably the best common in black and has a run for best common in the set like top five best common in the set for sure yeah so yeah. But yeah, that's that's Zendikar Limited. I think everyone should get out and try it. Um, I know that I've been doing a lot of streaming with it lately. I think Mason's been doing a little bit of it too. Um, if you guys will we'll keep doing our thing and come hang out, check out our streams if we're streaming Limited. I think you should play your own Limited too. It's it's a fantastic format. Really fun to play. Do you, do you want to plug your stream, Brad? Sure. Uh, it's Brezzy43. So twitch.tv backslash Brezzy, B-R-E-Z-Z-Y 43. And Mason, you want to plug yours, or are you good? Um, yeah, my, my schedule is all sorts of whacked. I'm trying to do it every Saturday at least, and one day during the week. Um, it's just Spice Rack MTG. Yeah, I don't know what I'll be doing. I, I think I'll try to play more of this draft because I do I do like it so far. It seems fun. Yeah, I mean, we, we do kind of dabble all across the board. I play some standard and some MTGO, and Mason plays a lot of MTGO, so we kind of hit everything. Um, Ryan, are you going to get into streaming here? Or uh, do you well, not really have the time for it? Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much just do our Fanny Fight Nights, which is uh, – Wednesday and Friday around 5.30 Central, um, where uh, at least going forward, we're in, in the beginning, it, it's been mostly paper, where we stream uh, just doing some paper magic. Uh, but the last few have been Magic Online uh, streaming testing for our upcoming tournaments and vintage and modern and stuff. So, uh, yeah, so... Every Wednesday and Friday around 5.30 Central, uh, you know, we'll be streaming on the the pack, Fanny Pack MTG. That's it. Is the, uh, that's it. That, that's our uh, group stream. That That's the only one I do. If I do decide to randomly stream, I'll probably just use that one as well. Um, Sweet. But I don't, I don't do that much yeah my, my schedule is a, a little bit weird too i uh 
I am still working nights right now, but I try to stream anywhere from three to five days during the week. And it's usually in the mornings. Uh, it'll usually be around like nine, 10 o'clock in the morning central time until about two, three o'clock in the afternoon, depending on the day and how tilted I'm getting. Um, but I, uh, generally try to do it at least, it'll be at least three times every week. Sometimes it'll be closer to four or five, depending on the, the day. So, or depending on the week for me. So yeah, check it out. We'll, we'll try to do some drafting and some other stuff like that. I'm also interested. I'm excited to play this event tomorrow. This, uh, no bandless modern. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm hoping more people show up. Um, it's going to be sweet. And I think I already have my deck picked out. Honestly, I mean, you're you're the only guys that are going to hear it, uh, but I think I'm going to go with that Salt-Eye, that list that I was playing yeah. yesterday. Just just Salt-Eye mid-range. Just Salt-Eye mid-range. Death Ray John in a row. That's all you need. Okay. Let's, let's, all right, we can wrap it up. So how do we wrap it up? All right, all right, all right, Brad, do you want to start it off? Uh, I, I start off with a, with an Au, right? Yeah. 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 All right. Au! 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 <laughs> <laughs>